We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You're listening to the Bear Report Podcast with Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears for the Bear Report website. The podcast is powered by Overtime Media. Now, here's Zach and Aaron. Welcome in, Bears fans, to another edition of the Bear Report podcast. The Chicago Bears have now lost six straight games, and after starting 5-1 and one the season, they now sit at 5-7, and seven, and some potential franchise changes looming in this offseason. I'm your host, Zach Pearson. I'm joined by Usaid Koshal, and we're going to get you all caught up on everything that's going on with the Chicago Bears as they prepare for their Week 14 matchup with Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans. A very intriguing matchup for a lot of reasons. We'll break down the Bears' loss to the Lions, a total collapse. We'll also hear from Aaron Wright. Aaron Reese, I'm sorry, of The Athletic, who covers the Texans, plus talk a little bit about what the Bears should do this offseason in terms of potential changes with the front office and coaching staff. Before we get into that, though, let me welcome in Usaid here. And Usaid, how you doing, man? Doing well, man. Much better than the Bears after that epic meltdown. But yeah, how are you? Yeah, you're not wrong, man. I'm doing good, too. And, you know, I'm still kind of stunned. Um, it, you know, people say, well, it's obvious they're not very good. Um, yeah, they aren't very good, but even bad teams still win games like that on Sunday. And I have no clue how they lost that game. For me, it was just a total collapse. Yeah, and collapse is really the right word. I would say that meltdown is another word you could use to describe what happened this past Sunday at Soldier Field. Because if you look at the Bears, this was the first time where it was the offense's best showing of the season, right? 
And it seemed like the perfect time to bounce back against a much lesser team, against a team in Detroit that you know is not as talented as you. The Bears simply put, they didn't get the job done. I mean, listen, I get everyone wants to sit there and blame the defense. And it's like, okay, the defense giving up, you know, 41 against Green Bay and 34 against Detroit is not ideal for a defense that is as talented as this one on paper. But you look at it, I mean, earlier in the season, this is the same unit that was holding teams to like, 18, 19, 20 points, and it's just the offense was able to get it done. So I really think what happened is Sunday was the nail in the coffin for the Bears. The defense is broken, but now the offense is finally starting to get it figured out. And the defense is broken to the point where it doesn't matter who they're playing. I don't think over the next four weeks they're going to even be able to compensate and come to close to the level that they were playing earlier in the year. Yeah, and, you know, it's kind of interesting because – I was talking to someone a couple of days ago and they pretty much said, you know, you can't really um, blame the defense too much because you can't expect them to go out and give 110% and, and win you every single game, you know, for three years, which is pretty much what they've done. They've given 110% almost every single game in the Matt Nagy era. And at one point, you know, it's going to, it's going to backfire. They're going to need, the offense to win them some games, and that really hasn't happened. Now, the 41 points to Green Bay, that's inexcusable. I think that was kind of a wake-up call, or I hope it was a wake-up call, because Chuck Pagano, you know, flat out said, that's not us. That's that's not how we play Bears defense. And, you know, the game plan was just not right. But then you look at the game against the Lions, and, you know, they let Matthew Stafford throw for over 400 yards, a very quiet 400 yards. They gave up over 30 points. And they just were not good in that final quarter. I mean, they let the Lions go down and drive 95 yards in two minutes and 52 seconds for a touchdown on complete busted coverage. That's not how that coverage should have happened. You know, the effort was kind of in there. If you look, there's a couple of plays, the, the fourth and inches that Matthew Stafford had the QB sneak. Robert Quinn had a chance to stuff staff in the backfield and he completely took a different route and kind of went backwards instead. I don't know what you're doing there. You're bigger than the quarterback. So they just kind of completely melted down there. And I think you're right. Every indication for me and everything I've been told pretty much is that that sealed it for Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace or at least Ryan Pace. Because I think if you do go the route of keeping one of the two, which I don't suggest you do, I don't recommend that at all. I think if you make changes, you have to clean house. I think it has to go beyond these two guys. However, if the Bears only do make one move and they have to choose between Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, I think they would keep Nagy just because he has two years left on his deal. But for me, man, that's that sealed it. I, I just can't sit there and justify how you can bring them back for another year of this, especially when the roster is not built great. Um, They're in cap situation hell. Um, They only have like 31, 32 players signed for next year as of right now with very limited cap. You don't have a quarterback. You're going to be in the market for a quarterback. You need two offensive tackles. You're probably going to need another tight end. Now they can clear up some cap space, but those are pretty obvious moves, and that's not going to take a genius to clean up those moves. I just, man, it was just the nail in the coffin for me, and I just, it it was very, very frustrating to to, to kind of watch on Sunday. Yeah, and you you mentioned, listen, the Bears have – so many needs you mentioned all the needs that they have on offense Chicago just has too many needs to overhaul the 
everything in 2021 because this when it comes to retooling teams that retool in like one off season they make three or four they make like three or four moves and that's it right and in between those three or four moves one or one of them is like a real big mover two of them are real big moves the bears can't do that they've like you mentioned they've got like 30 something players under contract next year all right you cannot add anything to this defense because 60 something percent of your cap is already invested on the defensive side of the ball. And that's only in a few players like Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks, Kyle Fuller, Eddie Jackson. Roquan Smith, I think, is going to get like a 13 or $14 million cap. At Robert months. Quinn. Right, Rob Quinn's another one. So the Bears have so much invested in the defense. The only thing that they're going to be able to do to shore up some of the issues on the offensive side of the ball is cut bait with some of these guys on the defensive side of the ball and you know we've seen teams do this over the last couple of years like the Buffalo Bills just did it this past offseason they let two of their key guys on defense go because they needed to invest in the quarterback position they needed to invest in the offensive line wide receiver for their young quarterback the Bears whoever's general managing them or whoever this GM is in 2021 and whoever the head coach is, they're going to have to do the same thing too, you know, and you mentioned like firing between firing Pace and Nagy. I mean, I think if you could fire one in 2021, I would lean towards Pace simply because you know, he's going to use the same methods that he's always used to try and fix some of the issues. All right. Because let's face it. I mean, Nagy's safe for at least another year in my eyes, because Matt Nagy's not the one who gave Jimmy Graham 16 million. He's not the one that gave Rob Quinn 70 million dollars over a five-year period. You know, Ryan Pace is the one who made those moves. Pace is also the one who traded two-thirds and a fourth to grab Mitch Trubisky over much more talented QBs in Watson and Mahomes. And so the Bears have gotten to this point because it's been years of Ryan Pace's neglect and inability to add to the roster at key situations. And when they should have been picking like an offensive lineman, right? They were investing in you know, positions like wide receiver and whatnot, like 2019, why would you spend a fourth round pick on Riley Ridley when you had some solid options on the roster, some developing options, you know? So the Bears have gotten to where they are because of years of paces neglect. They are just going to have to blow this thing up in 2021 or 2022, but it's looking more likely in 2022 because financially they can't afford to blow it up with pace. Yeah. And, you know, I, I would tend to agree with that. I, my only argument to that um, would be, I think that, you know, Matt Nagy, it's hard. Okay. It's hard to say. Cause I think Matt Nagy can coach. I don't think he's a good play caller. I think he's, his scheme is just not very good right now. And whether or not that's, you know, mainly on him or mainly the, he doesn't have the players he wants, but let's not forget. I mean, he wanted Nick Foles. That was his guy. He wanted Nick Foles. Ryan Pace traded the fourth rounder. So there's blame on both of them for me there. Um, But in terms of Nagy, I just, I don't, I just don't see how you bring him back um, when this team is just kind of collapsed like this. I mean, a five and one start, maybe they weren't as good as five and one, you know, says maybe they, maybe, you know, all these national analysts, all said, you know, the Bears are probably the worst 5-1 and one team in almost an NFL history. And a lot of us laugh at them. A lot of us criticize them, myself included. We all like to do it, especially Jason Lockenfora. We all like to go after certain people. But now, I mean, we're week 14. This team's not going to the playoffs. They were right. They've lost six straight games. It's very hard to lose six straight games in the NFL. The Bears haven't done it since, like, what, 2002, 2003. So I just – it's harder for me to see – Right now, unless this team kind of rallies and plays better, wins three out of four, 
um, or four straight, it's still not going to get them into the playoffs. They need a lot to kind of go their way for them to keep Matt Nagy. I do see the scenario, though. I will say this. I do see a scenario where they fire Ryan Pace, they bring in a general manager, and it's kind of like what the Bulls have done where, you know, they, they, they didn't fire Jim Boylan right away. I think while I've said that it was a nail in the coffin for Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, I truly believe they might give Nagy an extra shot here with bringing in the general manager. So you bring in the general manager, you kind of let him sit with Nagy and talk, and you kind of figure out a way where, hey, maybe, maybe Nagy does work with this general manager. Or, you know, the flip side is the general manager is just not going to want Nagy, and he's going to come in and say, I need to get my own guys in here, which is probably likely the option. So, I don't know, man. I, I was pretty confident, Sonny, that it, that it was going to be the nail in the coffin, and at the end of the year, January 4th, we're going to see a complete overhaul. I still think we can see that. I'm still leaning that way. But I do see where they could keep Matt Nagy. And for me, you know, that's just this Bears franchise doing the same things over and over. It's like a Ferris wheel. You get on, you get off at the stop, you get right back on, you do the same stuff. Every couple of years you have some hope. There's a, there's, you know, a run maybe to the playoffs. You get close to the playoffs. Um, something happens, and then the next couple of years are just disappointment. It's what should, we should expect as Bears fans. It's not going to change until there's a complete overhaul to the entire franchise, including selling the team, getting football people in here, and – I don't think that's going to be this year. I think the changes are going to essentially be Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. Yeah, and you you know you mentioned like keeping Nagy around, but bringing in the GM. I think like the one big red flag with that, or the one thing to watch out for, would be who is that new guy? Because we hear rumors of guys like, or we just see out there in the news, you know, a guy like Marvin Allen who was responsible and in Kansas City for so many years, I believe, with Nagy was there under Andy Reid, you know, a guy like him, like would Marvin Allen want to work with Andy Reid again? Or would a guy like John Dorsey, you know, who was there for the first couple of years of the Andy Reid era in Kansas City, would the Bears go after a guy like Dorsey? And then would Dorsey want to work with Nagy? I really think, you know, what has to happen is who you bring in is going to determine a lot of Nagy's future too. Because it's like you mentioned, you know, does a new guy want to work with Nagy? Is Nagy willing to work with the new guy? And then also, what if the new guy's just like, no, I need to blow this thing up, get my own guys in here. At that point, you know, you're firing Nagy. I mean, it's very hard to hire a good GM and a good head coach in the same offseason because the good candidates for both positions are typically gone within like the first two and a half to three weeks of January. And so the Bears know that they are going to need to move really fast on something like this in the sense that, all right, you fire Pace and Nagy on January 4th. But then how fast are you willing to go? And who are you going to bring in to help consult? Are you just going to bring in a guy like an Ernie or Corsi and another consulting firm? Or are you going to hire like a president of football operations and oh, kind God, of no more make Ernie. decisions? Yeah, no, don't go the Ernie consulting route again. That was just a total nightmare. I want to talk a little bit more about this because I do have some actual po- – I have some points with that that I, I agree with you on. So let's hit our first break. We'll be right back after this. The Old West is an iconic period of American history. I'm Chris Wimmer. Join me on the Legends of the Old West podcast to hear the true stories of lawmen like Wyatt Earp, Bass Reeves, and the Texas Rangers, outlaws like Jesse James and Butch and Sundance, and Native American battles of the Lakota, Comanche, and Apache. We use cinematic storytelling and sound design to bring these stories and many more to life. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. 
And you said, I, I do agree with that because, you know, you have to move quickly. And the thing is, you know, the NFL has these new rules now where you can't interview um, a, a GM candidate or head coach in person until the playoffs are completely done. Um, you know, back a couple of years ago when they hired Matt Nagy, they were able to go to Kansas City um, right after the playoff game or the night before the playoff game against, um, uh, I can't remember who the, I think it was the Titans and the Chiefs lost to. Um, and, and, and interview Matt Nagy this year. You can't really do that. So I, I think it's going to be very difficult to get a guy in here quickly. I think we might even have to wait until late January, early February to see um, any ties for the bears. However, they could go the, the, the college route. And right now I'm seeing two names thrown out one local and one has a tie to the Chicago bears and, and they're both in the big 10 I'm not feeling confident in either of them. So the rumor was Pat Fitzgerald is at the top of the Bears list. That's not very true from Lock and Fora that he is not at the top of the list. I just there's a couple reasons why Pat Fitzgerald wouldn't leave Northwestern. And I mean he's in a great spot at Northwestern. I mean, it'd have to be a lot, a lot of money. Not that it can't happen, but I just don't think it's gonna happen. The other one is Harbaugh out of Michigan. And neither of those two for me are the sexy, trendy pick. And and here's why. What direction is the NFL going? It's an offensive-driven league. It's very, very, very hard to play defense in the NFL. It's offense. They're going to call defensive pass interference. They hardly call offensive pass interference. Look at Sunday's game against the Lions. There was two plays, um, the, the, the touchdown and there was another throw, where there was two push-offs, and they didn't call it on the offense at all. I guarantee you. If Kyle Fuller, Jalen Johnson, or Buster Screen did that move with the arm extended to a defense to an offensive player to make an interception, they would have called it defensive pass interference. That's just how it is. It's not really the reason why the Bears lost the game. That's how the NFL is going. It's an offensive-minded league. Points equals ratings. No one wants the defensive battles anymore. Chicago has a defense. I am not in favor of getting a defensive-minded head coach. I think with the way the league is trending and you go offense, I am totally fine with taking another swing, even if it's a miss, on an offensive head coach rather than bringing in a guy with the defense and then we have to go through those offensive struggles again. I just – you look at Michigan, Harbaugh's system there is not very good offensively. They haven't had their quarterback. He doesn't really go after the big athletes that you see – you know, these high-powered offenses do. And then you look at Pat Fitzgerald. Pat Fitzgerald he's a defensive-minded guy as well. Nothing against them personally. I mean, I just – I'd rather go with an offensive-minded head coach, a young and upcoming guy, to kind of bring in his system and, and just see if that works. I mean, yeah, the Bears, they're going to have to take another swing at this and go offensive-minded because we look at a lot of the teams that have hit on quarterbacks over the last couple of years. I mean, you look at, like, the Bills with Josh Allen, all right? And I'll use them as a notable example because I do think that Brian Dable, their offensive coordinator, can be successful here in Chicago, depending on if the Bears take a quarterback in the first round of the 2020 draft. But the point is, is all the teams that have been successful over the last few years, it's been because they've hired an offensive-minded head coach, right? And I really think that that's the direction the Bears are going to have to go in because it's like you mentioned. You know, in the old days, I mean, just 10 to 15 years ago, it was like, all right, well, a 24-20 defensive-minded game is what you're going to get. Really, over the last six to seven years, it's been offense, offense, offense. The more points you score, the more games you're going to win as long as you have a franchise quarterback. 
and the Bears options are unfortunately going to be limited because there's no like Sean McVay's or a guy like a Matt LaFleur that's available this offseason. I mean, yeah, Dable is one name to keep an eye on. You'd see someone that would be super young, like Joe Brady, who's only 31, 32 years old. He could be an option because he's way ahead of where he should be coaching wise. But, you know, regarding the code, the, I'm sorry, the college route, that is not a feasible option for the Bears because with Pat Fitzgerald, he's basically guaranteed like a job for life at Northwestern the way that he's turned the program around. All right. Jim Harbaugh, I mean, people say that when he left San Francisco, there was a mutual parting of ways. There are certain people that are like, oh, well, there was a power struggle with the GM. So would Harbaugh really be an effective option here in Chicago? His hard nosed style, I do not think would mesh with some of the guys that are on the roster. And it, it sucks because Harbaugh is probably the most experienced of all the candidates that are going to be available this offseason because he's coached some in the NFL. I mean, he went through, like, what, I think it was three straight NFC championship games with Vic Fangio and the 49ers in the early 2010s. So Harbaugh, from an experience standpoint, makes sense, but from coaching style does not, unfortunately. And I would think, you know, maybe a positive with Harbaugh, if the rumors are true and Vic Fangio does get the ax in Denver – I don't think that's going to happen. I think they'll, he'll get another year at least. You could bring back Fangio if you go the hardball route. I think Fangio would be intrigued on in coming back to Chicago and maybe working with his defense again. He's got the system. The other guy, I mean, Eric Biemi out of Kansas City, he's going to be the hot name. Do the Bears want to go that route, the Andy Reid route again, and maybe try to work it with that scheme again and see if maybe Biemi is just a better coach than Matt Nagy? I don't know because – it would be very intriguing, and everything I've seen from him over the last couple of years with the offensive duties that he has are impressive. The other thing we have to remember, though, he has Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, you know, Travis Kelsey, you name it. They have a lot of high-flying pieces on that offense, so it could be a little you know, um, smoke and mirrors there. So, yeah, it's tough, man. And the other thing is, you know, how intriguing will this Bears job be? I mean, you're going to be looking at a couple teams here that are going to have to hire um, a head coach or general manager. The Bears, you know, do need a quarterback. They're probably not going to finish top 10. It's a possibility. They have to lose this weekend. There's a team behind them in the Texans that can jump them. You have to lose this weekend. If you get a top 10 pick, I think that's a little more intriguing because you can make your way up to that number six, seven, maybe hope that um, a, a Zach Wilson or a Trey Lance falls to you. But right now, I mean, how intriguing is it? The Jets are going to need a whole new regime. I'll be looking at Houston. They're going to they're going to make some changes. Uh, Philadelphia could be another possible opening. Opening Atlanta's got some openings. Detroit. How intriguing is the Bears right now? And especially if you're a guy looking at it. And you say, wow, no one can really succeed here. No one's succeeded here since really Lovey Smith. Do I really want to take this job? They've had three different head coaches since 2012. Well, four with Lovey Smith. So I don't know, man. It's just the Bears are a charter franchise. They should be an intriguing job. I just have my worries that they're not going to be as intriguing as many people think they will be. And on top of it, you're looking at a potential rebuild that you have to go out and get a quarterback. Now, if you're lucky enough to get Zach Wilson or hit on a player like Zach Wilson and Trey Lance and you can excel that rebuild, hey, maybe you could be a contender again or at least make a little bit of a playoff run in two years at, at, at absolute best. But that's going to require hitting on a big quarterback. Right. And, you know, I've long been on this train too just in terms of really how attractive is the Bears' 
job going to be head coaching wise and GM wise? Because what the next regime that's walking into this situation, into Alice Hall, they're going to have to realize that, look, our goal is going to be to clean up the previous regime's mess, which has been created by Pace and Nagy, but then also go ahead and have to clean up. I'm sorry. I also have to build towards our new team, our vision for what the Chicago Bears should be while having to clean up Pace and Nagy's mess. So they're going to have to do both simultaneously. And it kind of sucks because it's like right now, you know, if I had the option to be a GM for like the Jets or the Jags, let's say, or even Houston, I mean, the first round picks the draft capital and the cap space that like the Jets and the Jags have are just way better than anything the Bears have to offer right now. If I'm a GM, you know, Houston's probably the best spot for me to go to because I realize, man, my franchise quarterback's there. He's under contract for the next four to five seasons. There are just some small things I have to do, like get him a number one receiver, rebuild the defense just a bit. And then all of a sudden we're in a situation where we are con- consistently contending for Super Bowls by the time, you know, 2020 or until at least 2024, 2025. But, like, the Bears, right, they're at a point where, okay, so new GM walks in. They, that guy spends a year or two cleaning up the mess of Pace and Nagy. And then by the time that you get to, like, 2023, 2024, you know, a Khalil Mack contract is going to be up. So Jalen Johnson, hopefully, if he's progressing the right way, will be due for a contract extension. Then you have Eddie Jackson, who's going to be 30 in a couple of years, I believe, anyway. I think in two to three years. And then, you know, you have, like, Roquan Smith, who's 23 at this point. So Roquan Smith's going to be the future face. But, like, the Bears don't have a lot of attractive options on the roster right now or draft capital or cap space that makes this, like, the most intriguing job. But, like, you mentioned it, man. I mean, people should want to come to Chicago as a head coach or a player or as a GM just because of the rich history. But the Bears have gotten away from that in the last, like, eight to nine years. Yeah, it's definitely not been an ideal eight to nine years for this franchise with the struggles. Say, let's get into our interview here with uh, Aaron Reese of The Athletic. He's going to break down everything on the Houston Texans and what we should expect, plus some comments that Deshaun Watson made. After the interview, we'll come back and we'll give our thoughts quickly on the game and our X-Factor prediction. Enjoy this interview. And now joining us here on the Bear Report podcast to break down the Week 14 matchup with the Houston Texans is Aaron Reese. He covers the Texans for The Athletic, does a great job. Um, doing that, and he's going to give us some insight here on Houston and Chicago. Aaron, thanks for joining me, man. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I mean, let's just get straight into this. Um, when I look at this Texans team, um, you know, they have the losing record right now, but from what I've seen from them, they seem to be a team that is better than what their record says. I, I think I saw a stat that, like, they have um, most of their losses are to first-place teams. What has kind of gone wrong with this Texans team this year? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think um, I think definitely they probably are, are one of the better four and eight teams for whatever that's worth, right? They uh, they started the season against the Ravens, Steelers, and, and Chiefs, and that Ravens loss doesn't necessarily look as good as maybe it does earlier in the year, but still, you know, Ravens are a, a formidable team, um, and I think probably a challenging team to face early on in the season after kind of not having a an off season to really prepare for, for that sort of offense and stuff. So they faced a really tough schedule. Uh, I mean, even the Vikings were their fourth loss to open the season. Obviously, the Vikings are are in the playoff picture now, and then. You know, two of their losses, they, they're really close to being 4-0 in the division and 6-6. Six and six. They uh, went for two against the Titans in an attempt to kind of put the game away by going up nine late 
they didn't get it that the Titans drove downfield, tied the game, and then won in overtime. And then uh, this past week, you know, they were in position to go ahead against Indianapolis and potentially win that game, which would have been an upset. And, uh, you know, they had a, a low snap at the two-yard line, and, and Indianapolis recovered the fumble, and, and that was the game. So, you know, this team, I think, is, is talented, probably uh, has the ability to be a better team than its record reflects. Obviously, it has a, a quarterback who's playing at a level that you don't typically see with a team of this sort of record. But at the end of the day, I, I, they are still probably falling short of their goals and where they would like to be, with, considering they have Deshaun Watson. And I think that's just uh, the fault of Bill O'Brien, who, you know, is no longer here, obviously, but he had been uh, – um, kind of created a lot of holes with this roster and, and the moves he made and kind of um, the way he went about the GM job over the past year plus. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Bill O'Brien because that's what I was going to ask you next. For someone covering the team, how bad was the Bill O'Brien era? I mean, from the outside looking in, you know, it, it looked really bad from my perspective. But from your perspective, how, how was that? Yeah, it was, I mean, it was, it was as bad as, uh, you know, it's always probably as worse than you realize, just because I think um, there are people who, uh, you know, if you don't get over that every day, you kind of, you miss out on some of the uh, the deep cuts of, of bad deals, right? I mean, I think everyone knows um, when it started, when he, he traded J.D. Van Clowney, and that looked bad, uh, getting a third round pick, and uh, Jacob Martin and one and Barkevius Mingo, but, uh, you know, in, in retrospect, with how kind of Clowney's market has unfolded and stuff, that really hasn't been um, the worst uh, move he made. I'd say that, that, you know, obviously trading DeAndre Hopkins was a terrible decision, or at least at the, uh, at the price that he did. Um, trading for Laramie Tunsil to the value that he did was, uh, you know, kind of precedent-breaking for how much he gave for a left tackle. And then he had to tra- give Laramie Tunsil a $4 million more annually than any other – or the next closest left tackle or next closest offensive tackle. Um, so, you know, they're, they're lacking in draft capital. He kind of would always burn through picks to get quick fixes on stuff, whether it's trading a third-round pick for Duke Johnson – Third round pick for Gary on Conley, a cornerback who played eight games for them last year and has been on IR all this year. And uh, he's not, and this is last year of his contract. So, I mean, you could just, I could keep peeling back the layers here. But the long story short is basically, if you, no matter how good your quarterback is, eventually, if you keep, uh, you know, dealing draft capital for short term fixes and paying overvalue on contracts, whether it's Wendy Merciless or Randall Cobb or Nick Martin, center who had that low snap, um, you know, at some point it creates holes in the roster that is just too much for Deshaun Watson to cover up. And, you know, you said it right there. Houston does have the quarterback. Chicago doesn't have the quarterback. Ryan Pace pretty much swung and missed in that draft. Um, Obviously, the 2017 draft with Deshaun Watson, Trubisky, and Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, he he has been aggressive as a general manager going after Khalil Mack and, you know, signing Eddie Jackson, um, finding guys to kind of plug in his defense. But today I saw something pretty interesting, and I knew it was going to come up. The storyline of Deshaun Watson and the Chicago Bears – um, from here in Chicago, the, the Tribune did a great piece, you know, kind of revealing that, you know, Ryan Pace attended his pro day, but they never really formally interviewed Deshaun Watson, which is, that's a cardinal sin for me. I mean, if, if you need a quarterback, you have to interview all three of the big candidates. What kind of did, what was Watson's attitude today when he met the media and was asked about the Bears and what happened in the 2017 draft? Yeah, you know, he, I mean, he kind of downplayed it, right? He just said, I, I don't remember having too much interaction with those guys as for why they weren't interested. But I, I don't really know. Uh, I mean, earlier in the summer, I can't remember what exactly it was for, but he did kind of um, say on Twitter, you know, I had no interaction with the Bears. They showed no interest in me. And I think he was a little more forceful when he could kind of uh, send out his message without being over Zoom and, and through, um, through the media and just send it on his own Twitter. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that, that was basically it. He, tr- he tried to downplay and kind of act like it's no big deal. But I think, uh, 
I think it, any guy who kind of get, rises to the level of the NFL, and especially anyone who is as good of a quarterback as Deshaun, I think you don't get to where you are unless you're competitive, unless you kind of can um, create slights in your own head. So I don't think he's going to have any problem using this as, uh, as motivation this weekend. And that's just what I was going to ask you. Last year, we saw Patrick Mahomes on Sunday Night Football, you know, count on his fingers after he scored a couple touchdowns to kind of rub in the Ryan Pace's, you know, face a little bit there. Do you think we'll see a, a very motivated Sean Watson? And, you know, will it kind of just be like he, he'll let his game speak on the Sunday? Yeah, you know, I think so. I uh, um, I was working on something with our, our Bears writer, just kind of a preview of the matchup, and he mentioned the uh, the ten finger or the Mahomes counted to ten. I, I was saying I don't think the the gesture has quite the same effect if you can't do it on, on your two hands. But so I don't know if he'll I don't know if he'll count to twelve, but I do think that he will um, kind of have a big game against them. Uh, if not because of this storyline, I just think it is a uh, a favorable matchup. You know, it seems like the Bears defense is kind of a uh, it's kind of cracking here a little bit, and and. You know, the, like I said, the Texans, they have a lot of issues, but the quarterback and the passing game is not one of them. This team uh, ranks fifth in passing DVOA, but it's just been kind of everything else is uh, is not good enough for that to lift lift up all, um, you know, lift up the team. And kind of going into the matchup here, you know, the Bears defense has struggled the past couple of weeks. You know, they can't get a pass rush with Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn. What do you expect from this Titans passing game? Is there any holes on their offensive line that the Bears can kind of exploit, or do you kind of expect Watson to, to light them up and it's just business as usual? No, there definitely are holes on, on, on this passing game, I mean, or in the, in the offensive line. You know, uh, they, they have Larry Tunzel, like I mentioned. You know, they've made the big trade for it. He is um, probably they overpaid for him in, in the trade and they paid, overpaid for him in the contract. But for the most part, he has been elite this season. I mean, he has, he has shut down some formidable guys, and they can kind of trust him to take anybody one-on-one. Uh, and then Titus Howard, their first round pick uh, in in 2019, who, you know he's been a um, he's been pretty good, not great. I think kind of a little bit of a disappointing second season, but he's still he's still solid. But the interior of the line is really vulnerable, especially the guards. Um, they've been rotating their guards uh, basically because of fatigue. They said in managing injuries. Uh, so I think you know say what you will about that. I don't think you rotate guards if either of them is uh, is you know really really good. So Zach Fulton, Max Sharping, and Senio Calamete, that's the three. And, uh, and yeah, those guys are just, they've struggled all year. Nick Martin, the center, like I said, he is, um, he's paid to be as the fourth highest paid center in the league. Uh, he is nowhere close to being the fourth best center in the league. He is, uh, he struggled this year too. So they just don't really get much help from the interior. I think you can, um, they're exploitable in the interior, both, uh, uh, you know, when they're passing, but also when they're running, I think, you know, David Johnson is not a good running back and Bill O'Brien was much criticized for, uh, you know, taking him back in the DeAndre Hopkins trade as somewhat of a centerpiece of that deal. And he has been um, really, really bad this year, one of the least efficient high-volume uh, backs in the league. And that it does fall on him to some degree. I also think it does fall on the fact that the Texans are trying to use him in a lot of inside, inside zone um, uh, schemes, and that's not really his game. And they don't really have an offensive line that can execute it because they are really weak on the inside. The Bears' offense has been really bad. Um, if not for the Jets, they pretty much would be ranked 32nd um, in, in the NFL this season. What should we expect from Houston you know, defensively, especially with kind of an offensive line that's shuffled a little bit and the poor quarterback play? I mean, whether it's Mitch Trubisky or Nick Foles, they just haven't been able to get it done. What do you expect the Texans to do defensively to kind of slow down Chicago? Yeah, you know, I mean, for a while this season, Texans were one of the worst defenses in the league. Uh, not to say they're great now. I think I think they're turning it around a little bit. Um, but, you know, this is if there is a defense that could make the Bears look competent, the Texans had to be among that group. 
Uh, you know, they, uh, they've gotten better against the run in recent weeks. They have been, you know, last in run defense DVOA. I want to say they're like 26 now. Um, you know, they, they kind of bottled up the Patriots. They did pretty well against the Lions. Uh, they held up pretty well against the Colts for the first three quarters. And then Indy had one drive in the fourth quarter that kind of lasted, lasted a while. It didn't result in points because they went front and fourth down, but they were, they were running the ball down the Texas throats for a little while in the fourth quarter. So um, they're a little bit vulnerable there. The, the thing to watch really uh, is, is the Texans' corners. You know, they, that was a thin group, I would say, even like in camp. And then Garyon Conley, who I mentioned they traded a third-round pick for last year, he had had off-season ankle surgery, and he didn't really look right in camp. They put him on IR, and he spent the whole season there. He's not going to come off IR. And then Bradley Roby was really their only other, I would say, true, like, starting caliber corner. And he, along with Will Fuller, uh, got hit with a six-game suspension for PEDs. So now their top two corners are Philip Gaines and Vernon Hargraves, uh, two guys who are both on one-year deals uh, co- combined, I think, counting for, like, $2 million against the cap. Uh, and to make matters worse, Gaines – Keon Cross in another corner, and then John Reed, uh, another corner, a rookie corner uh, out of Penn State, who they're drafting the fourth round. All three of those guys did not practice today as, as we record this on Wednesday. So, you know, if, if their depth gets hit there, if Gaines can't go or, you know, Crossing can't go, um, you know, that's a really, really thin group. I'm not sure Mitch Trubisky is going to be the guy to take advantage of it, but I do think it makes life easier on him. And my last one before I let you go, um, what's kind of one storyline or one thing you're really looking forward to in this, in this matchup? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think what was really interesting last week um, against against the the Colts was that, you know, the first game without Will Fuller, and it didn't seem to matter. Uh, Kiki Kuti, a, a slot receiver who had kind of been in Bill O'Brien's doghouse and, and you know, led to Bill O'Brien thinking he had lost all faith in him and signed Randall Cobb to a deal that uh, looked pretty bad at the time and, and looks worse now because Kuti had 100 yards in that game or over 100 yards in that game, and he's been good in the three games he's played since Cobb went on IR. Uh, and then they had a, a practice squad receiver, Chad Hansen, who was on the practice squad last year too. And it was his first game, actually, actual live NFL game uh, since 2017, his rookie year with the Jets, and he had over 100 yards. So they were the first – Texans' first 100-yard duo uh, this season, which is not probably the one anyone would have bet on. And so I'll be interested to see if they can kind of keep it going. Um, you know, the, the Indy defense is obviously very good. Uh, Bears defense, you know, is supposed to be pretty good too. But, you know, like you've mentioned, it's kind of uh, softened here in recent weeks. So I'll be interested to see if, if Watson can kind of elevate that group again. And, and I think if he can, you know, that, that if anything, sends quite the message to the, to the Bears and to their fans of, like, you know, look at look at this guy who's able to make do with with very very little and, and beat you right. And you know, so that that's going to be interesting to watch. Awesome, Aaron. Thank you for the time. Uh, where can everyone follow you on Twitter at? Yeah, you can follow me at Aaron J Reese R E I S S. And uh, you can read his work on the Athletic. Does a great job covering the Texans. Um, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Cool. All right. Um, Welcome back in here to the Bear Report Podcast. I was Aaron Reese of The Athletic. Some good stuff on the Houston Texans. And, you know, obvious, the, the big storyline to Sean Watson, Mitch Trubisky. I don't want to talk too much about it, but we have to mention it. You know, uh, Watson said he had no idea why the Bears didn't show more interest in, in, in him in the pre-draft process. I'm still trying to figure that out. I get tired of hearing about it, but it's something we have to talk about because it's inexcusable. I mean, in a draft where you know you're taking a quarterback. And it's not even that they missed on Mitchell Trubisky. It's that they, they did have interest in Patrick Mahomes. They talked to him, had an interview. The only thing they did with Deshaun Watson is go to his pro day. They didn't have a formal sit-down interview with him like they did with, with uh, Mahomes and Trubisky, which to me is a cardinal sin. You can't do it. That is grounds for firing. Even if you didn't pick Watson, 
You still need to interview him. What's the worst that happens? You spend money on a steak dinner. I mean, come on. The best thing that happens is he blows you away and you start rethinking things. And you go, okay, maybe we should take this kid. It's just inexcusable. And, and for me, we watched Patrick Mahomes last year counting on his fingers, the 10, you know, after he scored a couple of touchdowns. I wouldn't be opposed to Deshaun Watson lighting this team up on Sunday if it took, if that's what it took for them to really just put the nail in the coffin for Ryan Pace and just end it. Because, you know, as much as people want to blame Mitchell Trubisky, it's not the guy's fault. It, I truly do feel bad for him. I mean, yeah, he's not a very good quarterback. He's not, he didn't pan out to be what he should have been at the number two overall pick. It's also not his fault Ryan Pace traded up to draft him. And it's also not his fault that he's in the same class as Mahomes and Watson. I mean, you're looking at a guy that's a Hall of Famer lock right now in Patrick Mahomes that could be the greatest ever to play this game. He's got a path. You also have Deshaun Watson, who has a path to the Hall of Fame right now. It's just, it's, it's, I feel kind of bad for Trubisky because he always has to answer this stuff, but Man, Sunday could get ugly um, if Deshaun Watson has some motivation, which he certainly does. I mean, yeah, that 2017 draft, you know, Watson was my clear number one quarterback just because the guy was proven on every single level, right? I mean, he had been like a two- or three-year starter at Clemson, if I recall. Okay, he had won, been to two national championships, I believe, winning one of them. The guy checked off every single thing you looked for in a modern NFL quarterback. So really what happened here is just paces – inability to evaluate the position and his kind of just love affair with Mitch Trubisky, that's what you want to describe it as, is the reason that the Bears did not take Watts right now. In terms of the current day stuff, like, yeah, you know, Trubisky, all right. You could argue he could have gone back to North Carolina for a year. That option obviously always seemed to be on the table for him because I think he declared as a junior because he sat behind Marquise Wilson his freshman and sophomore year. But you look at it, right? Like, yeah, Mitch is always going to have to answer these questions. But in this league, when especially when you're playing quarterback, you get compared to other guys that are playing quarterback all the damn time. I mean, it's unfortunate, but it's the nature of the way that, you know, the league is. And so the best thing for Trubisky this Sunday, right, the greatest thing, that, the worst thing to happen, let me start with the bad stuff, is Watson just blows the Bears out of Soldier Field. Ryan Pace and ownership is in attendance. and Watson's essentially saying, well, you guys passed up on me, and this is the way I'm going to make you pay. The best thing that could happen is Mitch and Watson could go toe-to-toe, and Mitch somehow has, like, one of those magical fourth-quarter drives where the Bears end up on top. But then again, it's just like, it's a mistake that you know you made. You're not going to – no one's going to directly acknowledge at Hallis Hall that, yeah, we passed on Deshaun Watson. But, um, you know, the Bears are probably going to pay for it this Sunday because, like I said earlier in the episode, the defense is completely broken to the point where I don't think they're going to be able to stop Watson because the Texans and Deshaun Watson have been on a different level ever since they fired Bill O'Brien. Yeah, I mean, they they are a 4-8 team, but they have lost to a lot of good teams, a lot of first-place teams. They made a couple mistakes that have cost them games, most recently against the Colts with a low snap. So they're a good team. I, I do think the Texans are kind of going to win this game. Um, I really can't see the Bears winning it unless Trubisky does go toe-to-toe with Watson, which would be something. But, I mean, for right now, Mitch Trubisky's playing for his future. Um, it's an audition for other teams uh, next season here in free agency. You say, what's your prediction? And give me a quick X factor on what you're looking for. 
Yeah, so my prediction is that the Texans are going to win 24 to 20. And I really think the X factor in this game, it's going to be the guy that I just mentioned, quarterback play. It's going to come down to Trubisky because the Bears, yeah, you know, Nagy mentioned and pressers on Monday. We need to have the one consistent game where offense, defense, and special teams are clicking on all three levels. All right. We know it's too late to have that game now. I really think my X factor is going to be Mitch because how Mitch plays, how he comes out and plays against the Texans is going to determine what the Bears do in this game because we've seen Mitch, right? When Mitch is executing at a pretty good level and he's playing at a decent level for what's good for Mitch Trubisky, all right, the Bears offense is able to do some things. They're able to stay in games and score points. But when we see Mitch is not in the game and he's just not doing what he's supposed to, things fall out very quickly. Things fall out of the Bears' favor very quickly. So Trubisky's my X factor for this week. Yeah, um, for me, I, I think the Texans are going to win this game. Um, I, I think it'll be high scoring from them. I, I'm, I'm going to go somewhere like 31-22 Texans. Um, I think the X Factor is going to be Deshaun Watson. I think he's going to put that chip on his shoulder, and he's going to be very motivated to show Ryan Pace, hey, look, you should have picked me. If you would have picked me, things would be a lot different by now. Um, I just, I just really can't see the Bears winning this game, and – until the defense can show me, hey, we're going to step up again, I can't really bet with them. I have to kind of bet against them. So I got the Texans winning this one, and I just think it continues to snowball downhill for the Bears. However, there is some good news with that, though, because if it does snowball downhill, it makes for a very interesting offseason, which we will have all the coverage on the Bear Report, and it'll be some good stuff with the head coach, GM, uh, moves that they can make, draft, everything like that. We'll get started right away. Um, so be on the lookout for that. But you say where can everyone follow you on Twitter at? Yeah, guys, you can follow me on Twitter at Usaid Koshal. Read my work on the Bear Report, too. And then I do Bear Report's Picks for Pace podcast, which we record that every Wednesday evening and then drop it usually on Friday mornings. It's all about college football and the NFL draft. Yep. Highly suggest you guys listen to that and rate, review, and subscribe it. You can follow the Bear Report on Bear on Twitter at just Bear Report. Follow me on Twitter at Zach Z A C K underscore Pearson. Read all of our work on the Bear Report, including offseason stuff, which we're starting to dive into now. Until then, everyone, please rate, review, subscribe to this podcast on all major podcasting platforms, and everyone, please stay safe. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.